0: I want to really get into a really serious, open, honest, transparent conversation about backsliding or falling off the horse or whatever you want to call it. Now, I have always said that your abstinence journey when abstaining from sex is personal to you and that I am not the sex police. And I've been pretty open and transparent with you all. But there does seem to be a little bit of confusion and or a couple of misconceptions. So I want to just make myself clear on where I stand on a couple of things just so that you can make yourself clear on whether or not this is the right podcast for you. As I will be releasing an audiobook and an ebook soon about my abstinence journey, my experience, and sharing some tips and just Activities and practices that I have developed along the way to keep me on my path. Uh, I want to make sure that you feel like this is also the right path for you. Now, when it comes to backsliding, to backpedaling, to falling off the horse, before you can even really decide that, like, oh no. I've I've, I've fallen off the horse. I'm doing the wrong thing. I've messed up my journey. I need to start over. Let's just really, 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 really get serious and honest about how you're defining your abstinence journey. Here is how I define my abstinence journey and what it is that I have been doing for the last five years. Also, to also clear some things up, this season is season four and I'm talking about the past four years, but I am in my fifth year. You know what I'm saying? So the next season will be season five, but I will be then in my sixth year of abstaining. So I'm always reflecting because I just feel like that's the best thing to do. Okay. So backsliding, backpedaling, falling off the horse, all those things. Let's talk about it. How I am going about defining abstaining from sex in my abstinence journey is that I do not participate In any form of penetrative sex, I identify as a woman. I was born female. I am primarily attracted to men who were born male. Let's use that language so we're all super crystal clear. I don't engage in any penetrative sex. So nobody's penis will be going inside my vagina. I also do not engage in any sexual activities where the sharing of bodily fluids is involved. So I don't kiss, right? I don't kiss. Have I gotten pecked? Yes. And most of the time, I didn't want to be pecked. No, the person didn't cross my boundaries. It's just, you know how y'all go on a date Or whatever, and I guess just guys just get—they're just so accustomed to just like giving you a quick like kiss goodbye or whatever. Sometimes that happens. I don't think too much of it, only because I know that that's a—that's really a cultural thing, which is another conversation I want to have. Actually, the cultural dating—you know—norms and faux pas in America, but also kind of like city to city. I live in a metropolitan city. I'm from New York City, so I think our dating culture is a bit different from other places, but. That's not here nor there, and I'm getting off track. Anyway, I don't engage in any penetrative sex, and I don't engage in any sexual activity that involves the sharing of bodily fluids. Now, in the last five years, have I engaged in any sexual activity? Yes. What has that sexual activity been? Pretty much mutual masturbation. So, or digit sex where maybe I'll be fingered or I'm fingering somebody else. Uh, But that's all I've done. That's all I've done. And quite sparingly, I mean, quite, quite, quite sparingly, there will be months, stretches. And in some cases, there has been a year or two stretches of where I don't engage in any of that. Do I consider myself to be abstaining from sex? Yes, I do, because I'm abstaining from penetrative sex. That's my boundary. I want to really have like a more radical conversation about abstinence because, as I've always expressed, I really just feel that the conversation is so focused on you just doing absolutely nothing and being so restrictive that you start to blame yourself. You start to talk down on yourself. You start to really feel that you can't commit to having really any boundaries around sex because you have to have such extreme boundaries in order to be abstaining from sex that you're ultimately just gonna, you're gonna backpedal. You're gonna backslide. You're gonna fall off the horse. When I began my journey, I told myself from day one, I said, listen, Winter, <laughs> you know yourself. You know what you like. You know what you are prepared to do and what you are not prepared to do. But one thing, one the one thing that you absolutely must stop allowing in your life If you want to see changes in your romantic and sexual relationships, is you absolutely have to stop allowing men to sleep with you penetratively. You have to absolutely stop allowing men to insert themselves with their penis inside of you before a commitment. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. It has never benefited you. It is not benefiting you. Take a look around. It's not even benefiting your friends. So why do you keep doing it? And that's really how I started my journey. And over time, that journey evolved to what it is today. So I just really wanted to get clear with you all about that. Uh, because th- this is not the podcast that talks about abstinence in a very restrictive way. Abstinence to me, again, my definition. Okay? Okay. Uh, sexual abstinence to me means that you are putting boundaries around your sexual behavior and activities, um, and you are going to hold fast to them. You're not going to go outside of them. Now, if you do fall off the horse, so for me, falling off the horse for me, where I would where I would personally decide, oh damn, I have broken my personal vow abstinence, is if I allow a man to have penetrative sex with me before a commitment. That is where I would say, damn, girl, you broke your vow of abstinence. Anything else, I don't consider breaking my vow abstinence because that wasn't included in my vow abstinence. So digit sex, which is fingering or mutual masturbation, which is somewhat self-explanatory. But if it's not, it means... I'm masturbating and he's watching. He's masturbating and I'm watching. Um, Those things to me, I'm not abstaining from those because I'm not. (laughs) I don't want to and I'm not going to. I do, however, very seldom engage in those activities and practices. And that's where I stand on it. And so when you're about to begin this journey or even as you are along the way in this journey you got to you got to give yourself tears i think giving yourself tears of boundaries or tears of abstinence is going to make it more manageable for you i applaud the people who are totally i'm not doing nothing I'm not kissing, I'm not engaging in digit sex, I'm not engaging in mutual masturbation, any of those things, that's cool, that's great for you, you do that, I'm not going to do that, that's not what I want to do, and with the last couple of years, it's not what I have been doing, but what I have been clear about, what does not happen, and what has not happened in the last four now entering my, well, like now literally currently in my fifth year, soon to be entering my sixth year. What has not happened is penetrative sex without a commitment. It hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. And actually I've had two relationships since being abstinent. And even in those relationships, we did not engage in penetrative sex because I still didn't want to do it. And I did not feel that the relationship was yeah, at the point to even engage in penetrative sex. And I do not regret it one bit. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things and misconceptions around uh, maybe penet- uh, not penetrative digit sex, which is fingering um, and or mutual masturbation. So most people engage in digit sex, which is fingering, because they feel that it's a safer form of sex. They feel like You know, you can't get anything or pass anything by engaging in digit sex. I want to clear that up. That's not true. Every and any form of sex, there's always a possibility, one, of pregnancy, depending on what y'all are doing. Yes, even fingering. Because if somebody ejaculates and that ejaculate is on their hands and then they put that finger inside your vagina, although rare, it has happened. You can become pregnant. So don't play around. The absolute only way for you to not pass anything along to another person um, or end up pregnant, if you're worried about that as a woman, um, is to not engage in any sexual activity where you are sharing bodily fluids and or having skin to skin contact. So if you are someone like myself and you still want to engage in digit sex, I would just tell you to be very mindful and in that activity and make sure that your partner is not touching their genitalia during the act so let's give a clear example you're a woman he's a man cool you want to engage in digit sex whether that's anally or vaginally and so does he that man you need to make sure that that man is not touching his penis and then touching your vagina and inserting a finger in there or touching his penis and then inserting a finger in your anus you on the same hand need to make sure that you are not touching your vagina or touching your anus and then touching his penis or inserting your finger into his anus um once again extremely rare that anything is passed along honestly it's a it's quite literally like a 0.00000 like two six percent i'm not making that up this is what i used to study and educate people on and i want to make sure i'm bringing that knowledge to you all as well that anything can be passed along such as like hiv or like gonorrhea or syphilis and things of that nature um but all in all Digit sex is, of all, let's say, in mutual masturbation, of all in any sex practices, uh, the safest in terms of avoiding pregnancy or contracting anything. As always, you know, do your routine testing, pay attention, put the lights on or a lamp or something, look at the person's genitalia before you engage in any sexual activity, and um, you really, sh- if, if you are going to engage in any sexual activity with somebody, even mutual, even mutual masturbation, if you're just going to like masturbate with each other, take a look at their genitalia and let them take a look at your genitalia. You know, check it out. Make sure everything looks up to snuff for you and with you um, and pay attention to your body and any changes in your body. Okay. That is going to be my sexual wellness health advice to you. Because I only engage in digit sex and mutual masturbation. But again, I mean, very sparingly, very, 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 very sparingly. And I'm very aware and present when I'm engaging in these activities um, because I just, you know, I want to see and know what's going on. And also because I'm a woman who has the capability to get pregnant. And I don't want no oopsie poopsie pregnancy because you ejaculated and then a finger was put inside of me and then the spermy spermy swam up. And what's so interesting is that these are not conversations that are had often because people really think that these things are such uh, rarities or anomalies that it's like, what are the chances? But especially in terms of pregnancy, like accidental pregnancy due to digit sex, much more common than you think. Much more common than you think. So I would also probably advise you to maybe not engage in vaginal digit sex very often and engage in more anal digit sex if you're open to it, if you're open to it, um, than any other form. Uh, My favorite form, though, to engage in with anybody if I want to be explorative in that way is mutual masturbation because it's your hands, you wash them, you're touching you, You know what's going on. You have nothing to worry about. You know what I'm saying? Um, That's all I can say. That's all I can really say on the matter. That's all I want to really say on the matter because I'm not a licensed professional. (laughs) Okay? This is not... None of anything that I've said today is meant to be taken as, you know, 100% replacement for speaking to a licensed professional, speaking to your physician, like speaking to a doctor. No, 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 no. Do your own research. Do your own Googles. Read your own books. Make up your own mind. Make your own decisions. But I do want to be that candid with you all because I want you guys to know that I'm not here to judge you guys. Like, I see the emails you got. I'm going to start also reading the emails soon and answering questions here, introducing that segment. But I just want to be really open and honest and transparent with you guys because I am not Mother Teresa. (laughs) I am not Mother Teresa out here. And I never set out to be that on my abstinence journey, for me, it was it. It really has always just been about seriously abstaining from penetrative sex because one, it's the most high risk sexual activity that I can engage in as a woman, uh, because of pregnancy, because of uh, STDs, and all those things. Like penetrative sex is the for actually for anybody, man or woman. It is the most high risk form of sex that a person can engage in. And I didn't see the benefit in doing that with anybody who I wasn't in a committed relationship with, a long-term committed relationship with. And as I have grown and evolved on this journey, I absolutely do not and cannot see the benefit of doing that with anybody who is not my husband. I just can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see the benefit. I don't, I don't see the benefit. I don't. So, I enjoy mutual <laughs> masturbation and I enjoy digit sex with any partners that I've had uh during my abstinence journey. Now, if anything that I've said has made you reconsider listening to my podcast or made you reconsider I guess yeah, considering me to be someone who's abstaining, that's okay. That's okay. That's I don't mind. I really don't mind. I really don't mind because I've received such great benefit and protection. And I'm experiencing an even greater like, mental wellness from operating in this way sexually that I still want to share with people. And I still think that it's worth talking about. Now, if if anything that I've shared has let you take a deep breath <laughs> and a sigh of relief and has allowed you to kind of... Shake yourself off and feel better about what you might be doing in your own abstinence practice. I'm glad. I don't see the need or the reason to restrict yourself to such a level where you feel like any sort of sexual activity is to be demonized or you should use it as a weapon against yourself to say that you fell off the horse you're doing the wrong thing oh goodness now you have to start over or you're not really abstaining correctly there's listen to me listen to me this is me okay this is me there is really no right or wrong way to abstain from sex you have to make your boundaries for yourself And then you have to hold yourself accountable to those boundaries. The only time that you are not abstaining correctly for yourself is if you go against your boundaries. And I have not gone against my boundaries, not once, during this abstinence journey of mine. I have not engaged in penetrative sex because it's that serious for me. I really... um i I've had some experiences in my life where yeah, I just I realize, oh, I have to make a change, you know, God keeps me and continues to protect me, and God continues to make sure that nothing detrimental happens to me, uh mentally, physically, emotionally, sexually, and all of those things, and with that being said, I set my own boundaries. You know, I set my own boundaries and I continue to grow and evolve and um, heal my relationship with myself sexually on this journey. And so I want you guys to feel really, really, really empowered. I want you to know that it's okay to be at one point and then to be at the next point and then to be at another point. If you are only at the point where you're like, okay, I'm just going to abstain from, you know, Penetrative sex until, right? Until I've been in a committed relationship for four months. Cool. You're still abstaining. If you're going to be like, I'm going to abstain from penetrative sex and digit sex and masturbation, but I'll still allow, you know, kissing to happen. Cool. Great. You're still abstaining. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Like, you're still abstaining. I think as long as you have a boundary around whatever form of sex that, like, you know, Uh, as long as you have a boundary around a certain form of sex, then you are abstaining from that kind of sex. Okay? So don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. Don't tell yourself, oh my gosh, I have fallen off the horse because you let that person, you know, finger you or you fingered that person or you gave that person a hand job or whatever. Don't please like, Please don't beat yourself up. Just make sure that when it happened and how it happened was within your boundaries, right? And make sure that how it happened and when it happened, you were okay with. Now, if any sexual activity happens in a way that you are not okay with, that you feel went against your boundaries, then you should reconsider what your boundaries are in abstaining. And sometimes because you operate in tiers or you operate in levels, you actually allow yourself to really discover what, like, actually, what is it about sex that I have a, you know, fear around or an anxiety around? What, what sexual activities or behaviors do I see myself, uh, not benefiting from or becoming obsessive over? Uh, or, or you might even realize what, what, uh, what dangerous and/ or high risk sexual activity am I engaging in that I can't seem to stop right doing because someone says the right thing or does the right thing enough and I fall right back in the trap of you know uh, giving and or receiving oral sex for example, let's just use that as an example, right? Oral sex is considered a very high-risk sexual activity to engage in. Why? Because you're sharing bodily fluids. And anytime you share bodily fluids, there is a possibility that you may transmit and or contract something. If you find yourself saying, I'm going to abstain from sex, I'm going to abstain from sex. I'm going to abstain from you know, penetrative, digit, and oral sex, but I'll still allow for kissing. Cool, great. If you find yourself dating and then somehow, right, somehow getting to a point where whatever, you're feeling good enough and the vibes are right, and that person wants to perform oral sex on you, or you want to perform oral sex on that person, and you do, right, and maybe it's the third, fourth, fifth time that you've done that, it can be with the same person, it could have been with two people. What, it doesn't matter the person. It matters the activity and how many times you've done it. If you find yourself to continue doing that form of sex, but maybe not others, but that form, there's something emotional there that you need to explore more. And for me, the form of sex that I couldn't seem to stop engaging in before I did stop engaging in it was penetrative sex. It was like every time I was dating somebody and, and I'm hear me dating not in a committed relationship just dating anytime that I was dating somebody I w- it was like so soon so early on sometimes not early on sometimes a couple of months in but still I would always find myself engaging in penetrative sex before a commitment of course there were times where I didn't until there was commitment that that was just the natural flow and progression of Some of those relationships, but I would say the bulk of them, what was happening is that I was engaging in penetrative sex before I really wanted to. When I really sat down and got honest with myself, I said, damn, I'm really actually engaging in some high risk sexual activity Um, for what reason? Like, like to what benefit? I'm like, you know, like I I really sat through myself. I was like, I could, like, if I really want to, you know, get my rocks off real quick with a person, I could just masturbate in front of that person. You know, that's the thing that I'm into, uh, and that's the thing that most of my partners have been into. So I'm like, wait a minute, I could just do that. We could just do that. We could actually discover way more about each other if he's just touching himself, I'm touching myself, or. I can just engage in digit sex and just make sure sh- and make sure that I set some boundaries up with my partner and be like, hey, listen, look, you can't touch yourself and touch me. You can only touch me and I can only touch you, you know, vice versa. That Those are the boundaries around it. Boo, boo, boo. Right. I was like, I can just be doing that. Why? Why do I keep engaging in this super, super, super high risk form of sex with people? And I don't have any sort of you know, real commitment to them. I don't even have any real sort of emotional attachment. I'm just sort of doing it because I don't know, that's people, that's kind of what you do. That's a natural progression or it just felt, you know, I guess, you know, right in the moment, but it, but it really didn't. And so for me, that's where I, for myself, five years ago, had to draw a line. And I said, now listen, <laughs> you have got to stop some of these activities. Maybe eventually you'll stop them all. Maybe you'll just stop some, but there's one, one in specific that you really have to stop because it's going to lead you down a very, very, very slippery slope, a very, very, very dangerous path. It's going to lead you down there. And then you're going to be really upset with yourself because you're going to look back and say, well, that never needed to happen. You know, like I, I never needed to have that experience. Um, for example, unprotected sex, right? We all know, like in theory, in practice, in reality, we all know that unprotected sex, right, 100% can lead to pregnancy and 100% you can contract something or you can transmit something. We all know that. Like, we we all know that. we we're, None of us are unaware of that truth yet how many people engage in that sort of sexual behavior how many right you may have even engaged in that behavior maybe because you trusted the person maybe because y'all were in a relationship right who knows what the reason is but the the fact remains that although you know you know that unprotected sex can land you pregnant or you can contract something. You do it anyway. And so when you start to notice patterns like that about yourself, that's when you have to really sit down and ask yourself, hey, 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 what's my emotional disconnect? Hmm? What part of myself do I not love enough to protect myself against experiences that I know I absolutely don't want to have. You get what I'm saying? You can know full and well, I don't want to be pregnant right now. I don't want to have a kid right now. But you still engage in unprotected sex with your boyfriend. Right? Or you still engage in unprotected sex with the, with your partner that you're dating. But you know you don't want to have a baby. You know you don't want to have a baby. You no, know, like, like, you know you don't want to have a baby. So why? Why? Like, really, why? Because you want to orgasm? You can, or you can orgasm without that. You can orgasm with a condom on. So why engage in such high-risk activity? For what reason? And that's when you have to be honest with yourself and sit down and say, there's an emotional disconnect here. There is something deep down that I am, like, shoving... Deeper into myself, like to the pit of my belly, that I don't want to acknowledge or engage with because it's hurtful. But it's from that very place that you're going to grow and that you're going to fall deeper in love with yourself and that you're going to finally want to stand up and say, I want to protect myself. I don't want to engage in any more high risk activity for the simple fact of you know that those are the dating norms that's the dating culture that's what people do that's how we form our bonds and relationships or whatever that's what people say right i don't mm-mm-mm-mm. and that's what it was for me for myself i really just was like i I just don't want to like i just don't like i just don't want to engage in high risk behavior anymore i don't and although i was having protected sex it again condoms are, you know, how effective, right? Birth control is how effective. At the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, we have all been told, no matter what you do, like no matter what you do, no matter what you do, if you a hundred percent don't want to have a child, then you, you know what I mean? Like you can't do that. You can't do that. And I have a lot of Young mothers in my family, married and unmarried, right? Like inexperienced, but I also know a lot of young mothers. And uh, for me, it was one of those things, right? Where it's kind of like if you keep doing something long enough, it'll eventually probably become your experience if you don't change something about it. And For me, I really just felt deep down inside, if I if I really keep engaging in sex and penetrative sex, I'm going to find myself pregnant. And I'm going to be really upset with myself. And because I know myself, I would not have the child. I already knew that about myself. And so I also knew that I did not want to have the experience of having to have an abortion. And I have had to take friends to get abortions. And I've even witnessed a friend um, miscarry in front of me. And it's just very painful, very traumatic. And although those things weren't happening to me, right, I wasn't getting an abortion. I wasn't miscarrying I knew that what had gotten my friends in that position was some by having unprotected sex and others actually by having protected sex. Um, and I just, I, I don't, I don't know if having witnessed that happen so many times, um, in my really, really, really early adulthood, like I'm talking about like 19, 20, 21, 22. Um, I'm not sure of witnessing so many of the young women around me experience things like that. And then being so close to it. Like I said, I, I took people. I even paid. All right. Like I, I paid for some of my friends and I would do it again. I would do it again. I would do it again. I would do it again, do it again in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Um, but those experiences were traumatic. Those experiences were absolutely traumatic for myself. So I know if it was traumatic for me. And from what my friends who have been uh, open enough to, to share with me about how they felt afterwards. Because all of them haven't. And I don't feel like they need to. I, I Like I said, I can't imagine what it actually feels like to go through that um but for those who have shared with me i yeah i was just like yeah i um i don't want to do that i just don't want to do that i don't i don't want to have that experience and I, again i had to really wake up and i just had to go oh my god like girl 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 You're engaging in the same activity and behavior. And if you keep on doing it, there's a high probability, a high, high probability that you'll eventually find yourself pregnant too. And then what? Right? And then what? I know that most people, sometimes like the rhetoric I see a lot, like, TikToks and memes and stuff about when people go abstinent and they abstain from sex um and primarily it's people really expressing that they're abstaining from penetrative sex that's just like the unspoken thing there uh is that they're like you know they're like Ugh, oh, I don't have to worry about you know like, when women share it, right? It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about being pregnant. When men share it, it's like, oh, you know, I don't have to worry about possibly, right, having gotten someone pregnant or whatever. Um, Because that's a big deal, y'all. Like, I mean, for me, it's all the things. Of course. Of course. No one wants uh to ever experience an STI or an STD. Although most of them are curable and have medication, two of them are not one of them hiv although not widely available to be cured but can be cured right they have cured uh actually let's look up right now uh in the real time because i really want to give you guys now i just want to be clear with y'all the um The science behind um, STI treatment and cures has always really fascinated me because I have always felt like once we get to a place where STIs are not something that people have to actively worry about, everyone's sexual wellness, not just like physically, but spiritually will improve because that anxiety doesn't live there anymore and i do think we're actually getting much closer to that being a reality than we know but most of us aren't staying up to date on this sort of stuff um now as of march 28 2023 three cases of hiv being cured have been reported to date all three involved men with hiv in either leukemia or lymphoma the men received transplants of stem cells from adult donors to treat their cancers. The stem cell donors also carry two copies of a mutation, C-C-R-5 Delta 32 that confers resistance to HIV. So HIV is curable it's just not widely available. The cure is not widely available because one, it's extremely expensive. Um and the procedure is quite lengthy. And again, it's it's just it's just not widely available. It's not, you know, it's just not there yet. We're we're not there yet. But but listen to this, y'all. It is expected that a sterilizing cure for the HIV disease will be widely available within another 5 to 10 years another 5 to 10 years i don't listen to me that's incredible to me that's incredible and it gets me really really excited uh because um i, I don't know i just um <sighs> I've just always felt like um, one day we'll figure it all out, right? All the things, all the cancers, just all the things. But um, being a young Black woman, being a young Black woman, um, I know that HIV affects my community, this community, the Black community, in such a debilitating way. Um, and I know it's due to lack of education it's due to lack of awareness it's just due to a lot of things, but it 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 cripples it, it, it's a crippling crippling disease in the black community and I want to see it eradicated i want to see it eradicated for all people i want to see it eradicated so to hear that. Within another five to ten years, we can expect a sterilizing cure for the HIV disease is incredible. Incredible, incredible. So so right now, you know, as it stands, it can be cured. Not widely available. But we we can expect that it will be widely available in about ten years. And I think that's really awesome everything else uh every other sti except for one more uh every other sti can be cured uh with treatment and i think most of them at this point now uh the treatments are like in pill form uh some i think might take like one or two rounds of medication depending on obviously a person's body and underlying conditions and things of that nature uh yeah but there are two that are not in the sense of there's no widely available cure. There have been reported cases and they are currently working on making, you know, a a widely available cure. So I know for most people that, right, STIs are like the most scary thing to them when it comes to sex, in addition to or coupling that with pregnancy. And the most high risk sexual activity that you can be doing in terms of exposing yourself to any of that is penetrative sex and if you are not straight identifying if you are lgbtq the most dangerous sexual behavior you can indulge in is any sexual behavior that includes the sharing of bodily fluids that includes spit that includes spit i think a lot of times we think that it's just blood, semen, vaginal secretion, and breast milk, as well as female ejaculation. It also is spit, y'all. Spit. Spit is a bodily fluid that absolutely can transmit STIs, okay? It's not the most common unless you are, like, directly kissing somebody and swapping spit. And now when I say directly kissing somebody, I don't mean, like, oh, a peck. On the lips. Now, although yes, skin to skin contact, skin to skin contact, the again risks are almost non existent if there is no present, uh, excuse me, if there's nothing present on the skin, like in terms of like an ulcer or um, a blister or uh, a growth, like if you have uh, warts, genital warts, for example, um, you know you're more likely to pass genital warts on to somebody else if like warts are present and your genital warts come into contact with their genitals or honestly any other part of their body like even their fingers hands things like that but if there are none present then although the body may like shed uh stis and stds the body does shed them like sheds those cells The likelihood of you transmitting it to another person is extremely low, though, because you're only shedding it like maybe two to five percent. Again, it depends on people, and then if somebody is medicated, for example, it drops even lower. So, just educate yourself. Again, I'm not a licensed professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm just somebody who. Has educated herself a lot on this stuff because I was a sex health educator in college. And also, I, I just like to be well informed. And uh, I'm just a big champion for sex. I want everybody to have really good, really great sex in whatever ways that they feel most comfortable. And I wanna see us eradicate every STI. And I believe that we can do it like within the next like 20 years. I do. I really do. I really, really do. In the meantime, though, if you still want to engage in sexual activity, I would say uh your best the, the safe more safe forms is going to be mutual masturbation or digit sex, you know, and again, just always always look out for yourself, always do your routine testing um You know, I always, I, listen, (laughs) uh, I always go like every three, four months, even when I know like I haven't engaged in any sexual activity, I haven't had any partners, even when I know that I've only engaged in digit sex and I've only engaged in sexual contact that doesn't involve the exchange of semen, vaginal fluid, or blood, or saliva, I still go, you know, cause I, I just like to, um, and also I just like to have something recent and current up to date because listen to y'all, okay? Listen to me y'all and my husband, when he finds me, I want to have something current. Okay. Because when I ask him to go, you know, I want to be like, listen, now I, you know, I want I want us to all be current. Um, but just, uh, look. Don't fight with yourselves too much, okay? Don't fight with yourselves too much. Don't beat yourselves up too much. Um and just uh just know that you um are allowed to engage in sexual activity, okay? Because you because you are. Just don't allow your boundaries to be crossed. Not by yourself and not by somebody else. Just don't let your boundaries be crossed. Just be just be real. Be real about your boundaries and be real about what you want. you know? That's all. I love you guys, and uh, I hope that you found this conversation informative. I hope that it has piqued your interest. I hope that it has inspired you to do some of your Googles and your research and to look at some of these medical journals. I just, y'all, I'm sorry. I I don't know. I know y'all probably like, why is she so excited about this? Because I have heard from my grandparents, right, who were around and they were in New York City, excuse me, during the height of the AIDS epidemic. And they just lost so many, so many, so many wonderful, wonderful, beautiful friends. And it's just really exciting to me to know that a cure for HIV could really be readily available like on a on a wide scale in the next 10 years. I um I really pray that we all see that day because especially the black community. I really pray that we all see that day because um it's really devastating and what was happening in the eighties and the nineties at the height of the AIDS epidemic and just how they were treating people. And just, it was just, it was just awful. <sighs> so shout outs to science, <laughs> um, shout out to science and many blessings to all of our fallen, uh, loved ones who may have been lost during that time. Okay. I love you all. We'll talk soon.